The views expressed in this program are those of the participants. So, this is all your land? Uh, no, no. Uh, it's uh, everybody's land. Yes, in Sweden we have something called allemansrätt. It means that uh, everyone has the right to be on anyone else's land. Well, how do you know who to shoot? Shoot? Welcome everyone. It is Thursday, January the 10th, 2019. I'm Bob Metz, and this is Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. Join us for an hour of discussion that's not right-wing. It's just right. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be alright. Well, it's back to basics as we enter 2019 faced with the necessity of having to address the fundamentals and essentials about freedom and capitalism, as we always do on this show. Some of the discussions about these topics that I took the time to listen to over the holiday season just had me cringing, I have to tell you. Both freedom and capitalism continue to be the most hated, misunderstood, and vilified ideas the world over. And yet even capitalism's avowed enemies all acknowledge that capitalism has elevated mankind into better living conditions never before experienced in the entire history of humanity. And that includes Karl Marx, by the way, who invented the word capitalism to mislead and confuse the entire real debate. But meanwhile, capitalism's supposed supporters are often worse than its enemies because they still haven't wrapped their heads around the glaringly simple fundamentals that are constantly left out of the discussion. Why this is so and what we can do about it is the theme of our show today, which will begin right after we remind you that you can write us at feedback at justrightmedia.org, subscribe to Just Write on iTunes, or follow us on SoundCloud, hear us on WBCQ and on Channel 292 Shortwave, visit us at www.justrightmedia.org, where you can access all of Just Write's social media links, and of course, all of our archived broadcasts. Now, before I scare any of you away (laughs) by telling you that we'll be hearing the voice and very leftist political ideas of British comedian Russell Brand today, I know that to many people on the right, Brand sounds like a nut bar, and quite frankly, you know, you're right. (laughs) When my daughter Danielle brought a recent YouTube debate between Russell Brand and Candace Owens to our attention, Robert Vaughn responded, quote, Candace is always great, but I simply can't listen to Brand. Can't do it, end quote. Well, hey, it was a holiday season, and since I had become a fan of Candace Owens, I checked out the December 15th two-hour conversation between Brand and Owens, and I actually thought it was a fun ride. The chemistry between them made it possible to have a conversation like the one they had without the usual hostilities that you see between competing ideas of that sort. But it was refreshingly disarming to hear Brand, very good-naturedly by the way, admit that half of what he says he makes up on the spot in his BS. But the questions and arguments he presented were sincere and are how should I put it, a classic demonstration of the very 
ideas that we have to identify and fight, but not with the kinds of arguments presented by Owens, whose arguments, while true and accurate, kind of missed the mark in terms of addressing what I think um, Brand was actually wanting to get the answers to. And despite anything you might hear me subsequently say on the show today, I actually enjoyed both Brand and Owens because this is an invaluable demonstration of the epistemological disaster under which both the left and right so often debate. It was a train wreck, but it's the same train wreck we're witnessing every day in our daily news reports and commentaries. It's, it's frustrating, I know. Brand's political views are completely irrational. So, you know, nut bar is a polite way of excusing Brand's motivations because the word irrational is accurately and correctly interchangeable with the word immoral or evil, as many a philosopher we've reviewed on past episodes of this show have clearly demonstrated. But the really scary part about Russell Brand's political brand of irrationality is that not only has it become the mainstream way of thinking, for the left, but it is now creeping into the thinking of those seen to be on the right as well. So you can well imagine my horror when Danielle brought yet another online conversation to my attention, a January 4th discussion between Ben Shapiro and Tucker Carlson of Fox News, where the supposed right-wing Tucker Carlson was expressing the very same views and sentiments I heard coming out of the mouth of Russell Brand. It was astounding, and so much of the conversation was a parallel. So I think it's essential that anyone engaged in defending freedom and capitalism understands how and why both its enemies and false representatives of capitalism think, because otherwise you'll be wasting a lot of time and energy that will not only lead to your frustration, but hurt your cause and your argument as well. So since I had about three hours of content to choose from between the two conversations, I can't say for sure at this point how much of each conversation I'll be able to respond to within the confines of our own one-hour talk show, but we'll do our best to get to the bare essentials, and if necessary, maybe we'll even continue this analysis on a future episode of the show. So let us begin with our first few selected audio bites from Russell Brand's own December 15th YouTube posting of his two-hour conversation with Candace Owens, which he titled Populist Revolution, Will It Go Left or Right? Had over half a million views as of this broadcast. I think it is, uh, um, what do I want to say, um, myopic to suggest that the powerful cultural narratives and historic oppression don't play a part in people's current economic poverty, whilst the way out of that I would accept would be individual culpability and individual will. Not everyone has that. Right. Not everyone has that. Not right. everyone has that drive, that power. Some people need support. Now, well, the role of the state and the veracity of the state's intentions are certainly things I question as well. Do I think that the Democrat Party, a super kind, wonderful people well we let's have a look at the last 20 years how did that work out how was how were african americans treated under barack obama like so you know we've got the evidence the data's in it's right neither party works particularly well what we disagree on or perhaps what people disagree with me on a lot are the solutions for it 
Okay, and I point out the fact of how we got What's here. What's your solution? If you don't understand how we got here in terms of buying into the idea that the government was going to fix everything, all right, all right. Because you think it's all this victim mentality. It is. Stuff it is. And they've been able to sell. The easiest person to sell socialism to is a wealthy person. Go to Hollywood. They're they're like the number one socialist because they feel that's guilty not real about socialism. It's true. No, no, but it, it's because they socialism. feel guilty that's about their wealth. Uh, you you are the perfect stereotype of somebody that I could get to grow government with. Russell, look at these poor people. <laughs> look at how well you live. Look at this podcast studio. Don't you feel bad as a white straight male that all this is going on? Oh, of course, yes. What should I do? Use your platform <laughs> to tell people that this is wrong and that you you become the voice that actually allows people to grow government. And what it does grow is it decreases hey, decreases you, opportunities for Black Americans. I want opportunities. You're not an argument with me. That's your normal argument with normal people. I'm yeah. I'm. If anything, an anarchist, all right, <laughs> <laughs> an anarcho-syndicalist. I agree with you. Yeah, decentralized government. But I, wh where I th feel you and I are gonna disagree is on the level of extending compassion, love. You want to give out hugs? Well, what do you mean? How would you? How would you? How would you? Well, no, no hold on a minute. You're the guest on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> how would you give it would out be some hugs, yes. Tell it would me. be <laughs> some hugs. You as a conservative, a believer in conservatism, mm -hmm. what is the solution? We want limited government. We want free markets and, and a society where That's people can have... We've had that. We've no, got no, that now. No, no. You maniac. Well, first off, it is working in America. This is why this is the lowest rate ever for black unemployment is right now under Donald Trump, who is allegedly the most racist president if you read The Guardian, right? Like, he's so racist, he's so racist. Well, he sucks at racism because black Americans are doing so much better. There's been a 400% increase in black-owned businesses because there's opportunities. Hey, like, do you know what? Like, if you, like, uh, don't believe in the Democrat party, how can you believe in the Republican for, party when, when the difference is say, negligible? When have you, anybody ever heard me say vote Republican? I don't know. It's, I actually don't happen. care. It doesn't happen. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm independent. You, I'm an anarchist. Yeah, I mean, I'm in, I'm independent. Okay, so I, I vote based on the candidate, and the only candidate that I believe in is Donald Trump. And let you me like tell you, him. he's neither Republican or Democrat. I agree with you. I, I read the stuff about him, but he is the president of the United States. And what do you really think he would do for vulnerable? ordinary people and do you not think that uh, certain uh, like that a commercial and capitalist society does create huge hierarchies and pyramids that no. lead most people to be no. not most people uh, a significant percentage of the population to not have access to sufficient resources and create systems that are unfair no that you don't think it's that. not if, if you're you saying to me unfair. that because some person is less driven than me i was able to accomplish more and i was rewarded for it that's unfair no that's not unfair as long as we are provided the same opportunities which in america our system is if you work hard and you're willing to work hard you will be rewarded now, i don't agree with it, that it, system because some people do, and by the way, capitalism the is the only place. proven economic model that lifts people out of poverty. Socialism does it. It's killed 100 million people Listen in the last you, 100 you years. You can't start talking about capitalism like that after they, they bailed out capitalism like just 10 years ago. Capitalism had the biggest lump of communism mm. in history. Like it just was too completely state sponsored. The whole thing's artificially inflated. Okay. That system w surviving by the merits that it espouses, survival you're of the about fittest, you're would be about long you're, okay, first dead. Off, if we're talking long about dead. We're it going died to, in two thousand and eight. If we're talking about corruption and bail, I don't think they should have been bailed out. So how do I? Yeah. So I I, I agree, agree with on. yeah yeah one hundred percent agree with you. That's exactly right because that's not true capitalism. That that wasn't true capitalism. So what should have happened there? They should have let them go under. They I believe the, have mar gone under. the markets. And then what, the markets always fix themselves. So everybody in the like all 
all of the people that paid for that bowler out it's, of their it's, taxes it's crap. that had their houses reclaimed that had their houses foreclosed you won't get an they're argument. right to be you, angry you won't get an argument from me crony capitalism pr- is what we're talking about and that's something that we, I'm, I'm fully against you know so um, but I'm talking about just as an economic model capitalism is the only proven model that lifts people out of poverty which is why I, I agree a, with that right and, but that we're talking wrong. about when the that's banks wrong. all you know, it collude lift that's people terrible out of capitalism it's terrible like, capitalism doesn't do that yes it does <laughs> that's why that, why do you think America is America what made America what America you, what are you talking about when you say America do you think there is one thing called America underneath a flag like we're like oh, yippee this is America yes, there's the, uni- the America of poor people United- there's the America of rich people there's all sorts of America and there's it, all sorts of experience of America in America it is proven that if you make good choices if you stay out of trouble if you don't have children out of wedlock and you have a job you will alright oh, there's like moral codes y- there is that's it and, and you'll be successful that's it that's all you have to do wealthy black or brown people in America. We got some rich ones, we don't got no wealth. People go, what's the difference? Here's the difference. Shaq is rich. The white man that signs his check is wealthy. (laughs) Ah, here you go, Shaq. Go buy yourself a bouncing car. Bling, bling. I'm not talking about rich, I'm talking about wealth, okay? I'm talking about the white family that owns all the Similac. I'm talking about the white family that owns the color blue. Those rich bastards, okay? Now don't get me wrong. It's not all white people's fault that black and brown people don't have any wealth. Maybe, now just maybe, maybe if we didn't spend all our money on rims, we might have some. If it is, as Russell Brand insists, myopic to suggest that powerful cultural narratives and historic oppression don't play a part in people's poverty, then it's even more myopic to keep going on and on and on about poverty while avoiding and condemning any discussion of what is necessary to create wealth. That is Russell's brand of reasoning. That's because the process of creating wealth is totally despised by people who think that they're poverty fighters. They only want to redistribute, quote-unquote, the wealth created by those who are successful at doing so and will morally condemn the legitimately moral motivations of those who make possible the wealth that they have no problem stealing as long as they're doing it for someone else. That is altruism in practice. But the conversation really got interesting when, in refuting Owen's observation that Brand's arguments only serve to grow the state, Brand responded, quote, I'm not a socialist, I'm an anarchist, and a narco-syndicalist. Now, anybody who uses the term, like, a narco-syndicalist is not as ignorant about politics as they might be pretending. That's an extraordinarily specific term that applies to a very specific brand of anarchism. The term, when I looked it up again in my Encyclopedia of Philosophy, perfectly, perfectly describes Russell Brand's expressed political philosophy to a T. From the Encyclopedia of Philosophy, quote, 
Anarcho-syndicalism began to develop in the late 1880s, when many anarchists entered the French trade unions or syndicates, which were just beginning to re-emerge after the period of suppression that followed the Paris Commune. Later, anarchist militants moved into key positions in the Confederation Générale du Travail, founded in 1895, and worked out the theories of anarcho-syndicalism. They shifted the basis of anarchism to the syndicates, which they saw as organizations that united the producers in common struggle as well as in common work. The common struggle should take the form of, quote, end quote, direct action, primarily in industry, since there the workers could strike most sharply at their closest enemies, the capitalists. The highest form of direct action, the general strike, could end by paralyzing not merely capitalism, but also the state. When the state was paralyzed, the syndicates, which had been the organs of revolt, could be transformed into the basic units of the free society. The workers would take over the factories where they had been employees and would federate by industries. Anarcho-syndicalism created a mystique of the working masses that ran counter to individualist trends. End quote. Now, anarcho-syndicalism is, of course, to be found exclusively on the left because it is entirely collectivist in nature and anti-individualist in practice and ideology. When the philosophy encyclopedia refers to anarcho-syndicalism's, quote, mystique of the working masses, end quote, that's exactly what all collectivist notions are, a mystique based on a mystical view of reality. Brand talks about extending the level of compassion and love, but really what he means is redistributing the wealth of some for the unearned benefit of others by just taking it, as he bluntly admitted during the course of his two-hour conversation with Owens. What is your solution as a conservative, he asks Candace, who replied, we want limited government and free markets. But we have that now, says Brand, in utter contradiction to his own anarchist philosophy. Think about it. If he really thinks that we have limited government and free markets now, then on what grounds can he possibly call himself an anarchist? If he's saying that even that admitted limited government is too much government, then why is he calling for explicit actions that require more government? I mean, the contradictions abound. Brand's contempt and hatred of the process of wealth creation is only exceeded by his greedy altruism that claims a right to a piece of a pie he refuses to take part in baking. Quote, Do you not think that commercial and capitalist societies create hierarchies and pyramids that create circumstances where a significant percentage of the population does not have access to sufficient resources and create systems that are unfair? End quote, he asks. Well, never mind that that question is meaningless and cannot be defined without at least some semblance of an example or what he might be talking about. But as the floating abstraction that it is, it's nothing more than Brand expressing his contempt for capitalism, period. All societies operate on hierarchies. So when Candace Owens correctly stated that, quote, it's not unfair for some person who is less driven and works less to be entitled to the same rewards as the person who works hard, Brand irrationally replies, I don't agree with that system because some people don't all start from the same place. <laughs> well, duh. No one starts 
quote from the same place, nor does everyone end at the same place. And just what or where does Brand mean by place? <laughs> you know, he's talking about money or wealth because despite his pretenses otherwise, that is all he ever talks about. That's all that ever concerns him. All the rest of his BS is to disguise and conceal that obvious reality. This guy is obsessed with other people's money, with wealth, doesn't even understand how his own wealth is created. Candace Owens, during the conversation, which we didn't play, made a fascinating comment. She said to Brand, she says, you know, you get confused by wealth and you consider anyone of wealth as being part of the establishment. And she was right. That is not what wealth represents. But then Brand asked her, what do you think you're talking about when you say America? There are all sorts of people, rich and poor in America. Well, again, he's defining people according to wealth and money. Again, the only thing he talks about, the only thing he thinks about with all his spiritualism. Brand defines all individuals in terms of rich or poor, who were born that way, by the way, and never considers any other human quality. What makes America America for rich and poor alike? is that everyone possesses individual rights and is equal before and under the law. Life, liberty, and property are what make America, America. And whenever America strays from those principles, it's not America anymore. Capitalism is what made America, America, says Candace Owens. If you make good choices, you'll be okay. To which Russell Brand contemptuously responds, there's that moral code. Boy, do leftists hate morality, I'll tell you. Morality is exactly what the brands of the world are trying to eradicate. Morality demands that we acknowledge reality, that we use reason and interact with each other on a principle of consent. People obsessed with other people's money have already crossed a moral line of sorts. The fact that some individual or corporation commands wealth or is quote-unquote rich is an irrelevancy to justice or equality or to fairness. What is relevant in this regard is how did that person or corporation or company get rich? By enriching others on a free market of exchange? Free, by the way, meaning free from coercion. Or did they get rich by fiat, by state-enforced monopoly? by criminal activity, or some other sort of fraud or misrepresentation. That's the only moral issue involved, and that issue resolves around consent. But morality and justice are the very two things that all social justice warriors like Brand are out to destroy. Social justice is the opposite of justice. In opposing individual justice, it pretends to be about equality, but not a moral equality. That, that is, equality before and under the law. Social justice warriors want an equality of wealth and riches for all, irrespective of who created the wealth, a process they don't even know exists, let alone understand. Do you not think that economic inequality creates in a human being a sense of injustice, of unfairness? Because people, do you know what, Candice, 90% of people that are rich, do you know why they're rich? They was born rich. Okay, I can tell you something. I think that economic disparity creates that <laughs> feeling, but a, a fundamental understanding in economics can do help you Do you know that, that, that the most people that are rich are born rich? It's not like there's a tiny minority of people that are like you that come from a poor background and manage to overcome it. And this is what's a, pro a problem I've noticed with a lot of great people, 
is they sort of believe that their greatness is something that can be replicated and I don't think it, it can. can I see so I believe in the individual you don't that's I our fundamental differences but the primary goal of the individual should be to serve the community I, I, I do not believe that the primary goal of what do you think the primary I, I goal think of the individual, individual should be feels to serve that they the have individual served. so you're, you just, you're discounting the human spirit I'm the not discounting yes, it I'm is. saying that's let all there is you, let me ask you a qu- no there's not if you don't want to work hard, you shouldn't be rewarded. I don't believe in that. I don't believe... Well, what about the person who doesn't have your drive? Why should economic systems govern the way that we live our lives? Why well, is there not room for people to be different? Why is it that a person's value and worth should be distilled into That's called the natural market. You units. can't make that go away. It's not called the natural market. Yes, it is. Pro- you can't make that You've go away. No matter what... Too. in any. Tell me, in the history of the world, where there hasn't been some give and some take, you can't, you, cannot dec- you can't make that go away. There's no magic wand that you can wave that's going to make... Make human incentives and what happens in humanity go away. Doesn't matter how rich or how poor society is. There's going to be give. There's going to be take. People are going to create natural markets. You hey, I have three apples. I'll give you two apples if you give me this. I mean, that it just happens. This is the sure. way the world works. Yeah, I appreciate that that we have certain natural impulses to trade and to cooperate. But what I do know is unimpeded uh, capitalist power is the biggest contributor but, to the problems but, we have in the world okay actually now. no uh, so socialism has has killed uh, how many, it's not capitalism that killed 100 people in the last 100 match. years okay we don't know because Q- it's harder Q- to, Q- to it, it's harder to curate that information we don't know how many people are killed in the various colonial wars that america's been engaged with ever since the second world war all of those economic well, wars all those ideological that, wars you could say a component of that is because and, and and i will agree with you here the idea that you're going to go and you don't have natural resources because i don't know environment environmental friendly kids don't want you to do fracking or whatever it is and then you go and you say well here's an oil rich country and we're going to go and we're going to invade and we're going to take things over I, I disagree I disagree with all of that utopianism's so. got to be the aim you can't be seriously saying that, that utopianism the, the, should be the aim did you yes, just say yes it should be the that's, aim that's, that's it should be the aim literally like like that's Why, where else would be the aim we're in like hell we're, we're, hell on we're earth in like Willy, we're, we're in like Willy Wonka land it can't happen it can't happen human beings are always going to be human beings since the since the biblical times, that no, we're always going to have. Bible, the point of the Bible is that we will transcend. No, no. That man will transcend. Here's that we can get beyond our primal desires. Right. Our primal desires that you're trying to turn into systems, greed, jealousy, conservatism. No, no, no. It's the opposite. I'm saying you have to acknowledge that this exists. This is why it's foolish when people You've say got to give it, up all of your but rights it's being to the government. And then what happens? What happened to Venezuela when they gave up all their rights and they sold them this utopian concept that Russell Brand loves? And there's going to be flowers in Venezuela and Skittles and we're all going to go to Willy Wonka this every day. Yay! Cons- and what happened? Oh, we found out what happens when you give all your money to the government. The government keeps it. That's what they found in Venezuela because you know why? Because the government is governed by human beings and human beings are greedy so you and are selfish negative. You're, and terrible oh, human oh beings. Oh my God, that's not all so they are. They, no, right, it's I not. Thought this. But I'm, when you give them I've, all of your money, you're going to see what happens and so that what's is what gonna happens happen, time What's going to happen to these untrammeled individuals, Candice? These untrammeled individuals that have got no regulation. Well, they're going to be different from the Venezuelan government? Limited government where they, when their incentives are not to go line their own pockets in government and they know that they have term limits and that they literally are there to serve the people. Okay? I'm very interested. Then allows Madam. them to do their damn job and look at these companies and say is this now a monopoly yes it is break up google well that we agree on that as well as long as it still works because i do need it mostly for my own name (laughs) 
Candice, there's another thing I'm going to ask you. That thing you just said, mate, about like uh, human beings are greedy and cruel and components of humanity. Yeah, well, you said that. That's you. That for me, when you said that, I thought it was very telling. I feel that that is ultimately what you believe. I no, think you it's think what human I believe. Beings are ugly. No, I don't. I do think that. Well, first off, well, what do you think they first, are? Then? First off, human beings. Do you? I'll ask you a question. Do you think we're we're more good or more evil? Good. I think um, human beings are beautiful. Okay, so you, you think we're born pure and good and and wonderful? No, you have well, a small child. As, right? Listen, right. listen. As Salts and Nitsen said, you have to teach human beings good. Listen, you know, the culture is definitely a factor, but this is my point. You've asked me a question. Please allow me to answer. Yes, it. sir. Salts and Nitsen says the line between good and evil runs not through nations, religions, or creeds, but through every human heart. Because I I know that there is darkness in me. Right. I know there is selfishness and greed and and like libido, life force, not necessarily a bad thing, but lust, for example. I know all these things exist in me. So I need to exist within communities and systems that acknowledge that I am flawed and that I can fail, but encourage the better parts of my nature. For me, that is not a kind of venal, economically driven system that rewards a kind of the pursuit of excess. We can, I don't think we can ever be fulfilled by commodity. I don't think we can ever be fulfilled through acquisition. I think that our goals ha must become spiritual. But I agree with that. I'm not I in favour of creating banal, Stalinist fa massacre factories, but I also resent and reject the illusion of a commercial capitalist state where people are being underserved spiritually, people are neglected and cut off, and people are, oh, do you know we're richer than we've ever been, and statistically, things are yippee-i-a. Well, I live in this world, and I feel a lot of dissatisfaction, a lot of pain. I've been rich, I've been poor, I've been in both of those worlds, and I sense that there is a, a something spiritual that is not being served, that is being neglected, and I feel a huge part of that is living in a world where the, the supreme ideals are economically driven, where there is a huge unfairness, where we are ignoring the problems of the earth. And to hear you talk about uh, the sort of fracking and like, you know, like simply because it is another way of serving conservative or capitalist goals, that concerns me. You think that all that exists is politics. Take a yoga class. You want some spiritual balance after you go to work? You go, take a yoga class. You have the money to do that, um, to go you sit and do kumbaya and do all of that stuff. I like it all. Don't be family. So cynical, It's not you. cynical. That I is family. cynical. I like it do all. kumbaya I do in a yoga class. Yoga. Where we disagree is that you don't seem to think that both of those can live at the same time. Like, if capitalism exists and spiritualism dies. No, it doesn't. You can be spiritual and you can like capitalism. You like it. A capitalist says, I like, I like spiritualism so much, I'm going to open a yoga studio. No, that is t turning everything into a commodity. No, seeing that the I ultimate end of everything is to turn, and, and I'm guilty of this. As soon as I, like, do you know, I'm the kind of person, I make up a beautiful song for my daughter, and I think, my God, I should write a children's book about this. Yeah. You know what I mean? I have that instinct. I am an entrepreneurial person. I am an individualist, but I feel that these impulses in me can be better utilized if they are in the service of others. Despite how wrong what we just heard from Russell Brand is, you are indeed listening to Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. It is thanks to our financial supporters that it's possible for us to continue on our journey in the right direction and to share our programming with you. 
Visit www.justrightmedia.org or go directly to paypal.me slash justrightmedia to offer your financial support. And while you're there, be sure to sample our archive broadcasts featuring an array of timeless discussions of all things just right about freedom and capitalism, which happens to be the very focus of today's show. Russell Brand provides us a prime example of how altruism, I think, is a cause of mental illness. I really do. I've been watching this closely, and it's a huge theme I can see because it, it presents the mind with contradictions that it cannot resolve. Quote, I'm an individualist, but I feel these impulses in me can be better utilized if they are in the service of others, he says. Now, that's an outright contradiction or a lie. One is not an individualist in any way if one believes that his primary purpose in life is to be in the service of others. His own admitted hypocrisy on this point is evidence of the falsity of his statement and also evidence of how this kind of contradictory thinking leads to mental dysfunction. It has to. The mind does not operate on contradictions. Can you imagine if your computer had to operate on a contradiction? It wouldn't be functional. If you said 2 equals a value of 5 and 5 equals a value of 3 and kept changing things and the definitions of words and terms, your computer would crash immediately. And so do people. If he believes his role is to be in the service of others, something he's incapable of even describing or defining, then he must also believe that others exist to be of service to him. What is this, just a one-way street? And then aren't those others? By accepting Brand's phony offer of service to them, whatever that is, be, aren't they being selfish and exhibiting the same impulses that Brand says should be better utilized in the service of others? And to what service, quote-unquote, is he possibly referring? Yet this is the kind of BS we hear from the left constantly. This again speaks to virtue signaling on the part of these phony altruists. The altruist places himself on a higher moral rung. It's better to give than to receive, don't you know? And he puts the others, those in receipt of whatever imaginary service he's talking about, on a moral low ground. But then he gets even nuttier. Quote, the primary goal of the individual be, should be to serve the community, not serve the individual. I, what? <laughs> has, has it ever occurred to him that any community, quote-unquote, is merely a given number of individuals? And how does one exactly serve a collective without serving the individuals within it? Yet that's exactly what Brand is advocating, and that's completely irrational. He has no intention of servicing anybody. Once people say, I'm doing it for the collective or the common good, then they're BSing you from top to bottom. They're doing it for themselves, but they don't want you to know about it. If you listen to the entire two-hour discussion between Brand and Owens, not once does Brand succeed in describing anything concrete that might give us a clue as to what the hell he is talking about. And that's exactly how he and others like him want it. Even if only subconsciously, they know that what they're advocating is evil. Something's wrong with it. Ultimately, the eternal leftist and evil ideal of getting something for nothing is what it's all about. And if that isn't greed at its worst, I don't know what else is. Brand's obsession with other people's money continues unabated. 
90% of rich people are born rich. A tiny minority of people are like you, he says to Owens. Well, this statement, of course, is ridiculous on its face. It ignores the whole process of wealth creation entirely. And it's born of this limited fixed-pie thinking, like brands. I mean, it's demonstrably false. It was, it was embarrassing watching him during one course of the presentation drawing a circle, saying, this is Earth, there's only so many resources, and there's so many people. I'm going, oh, my Lord, is that where this guy's at? But ask yourself, if 90% of rich people are born that way, well, how did their wealth come into being in the first place? Think it through. If I'm born rich, then that means my parents are rich. And if they're rich, then according to the brand irrationality, they too were born rich. That means that their parents were rich. You starting to get how this works? We keep going back, back, back into time. Wealth is a given to those who are incapable or unwilling to comprehend how it is created. Leftist thinking ignores all laws of causality entirely, all the time. There are no causes <laughs> in the sense of an action causing a consequence. But even if true, you know, so what? If 90% are born rich, then Brand at least accepts that 10% of people were not born rich. <laughs> How did they get their money? Does he put them in a different moral status than the born rich crowd? Or would he be just as willing to redistribute the wealth of those who weren't born with it as he is to steal it from those who he believes were born rich. Absolutely immorality on display here. Why should economic systems govern our lives, he asks. Is there not room for people to be different? Why should a person's value and worth be distilled into economic units, asks Brand. This, of course, is not a valid question and represents the view of someone completely detached from reality and from the physical world. Leftists all operate from what philosophers call the primacy of consciousness. I'm saying that the spirit is all there is, proclaims Brand irrationally, because he wants to deny and evade the fact that people are actually physical beings in a real and physical world. Everything he says rejects the physicality of human beings. A capitalist can like spiritualism so much that he can open a yoga studio, suggests Owens. Oh, but no, says the utterly detached from reality brand. That is turning everything into a commodity. See, commodity is something physical. Here again, the primacy of consciousness, a rejection of the physical, a rejection of reality. That's why it's perfectly okay to call this guy a nut bar. <laughs> he is. People cannot survive or exist on so-called spirituality, particularly as undefined by Brand. He has no way of turning his quote-unquote spirituality into anything real or concrete, or he just won't admit what he really means. Do you not think that this individualistic culture is destroying the spiritual human uh, level of community, he asks? <laughs> well, no, that question is telling. Brand does not see spirituality as an individualistic attribute. To him, it is a collective attribute, something that is attached to community. Again, made up of a number of individuals that apparently don't exist in the mind of leftists. Why should economic systems govern our lives? Simple, because of the primacy of existence. 
because people as physical beings have to eat, they have to sleep, they have to defecate, to procreate, and that is a perpetual and constant process. The ends and means are the same. In order to live, individuals need food, not just once, but every day, several times. You can either grow your own, which of course would be immoral under Brand's philosophy since you should be acting in the service of others, or you can trade something you have or something you can do with another person who has something you want or need. And barter is fine, but it gets kind of inconvenient after a while. So we develop economic systems that create economic units called dollars or yen or whatever you want or some other representation of value that allows us to trade freely and efficiently. And that's why a person's value, quote-unquote, is measured in economic units, to use Brand's confused logic. But when Brand asks, is there not room for people to be different? He's really advocating that some people should be able to be different at the expense of others. Again, pure immorality. In other words, they shouldn't have to work for a living. They shouldn't have to contribute to baking the pie. That's what it's all about. It always is. I appreciate that we have certain natural impulses to trade and cooperate, he says. But what I do know is that unimpeded capitalist power is the greatest problem we have in the world right now. I mean, that's a statement so contradictory and ridiculous I almost can't believe I'm quoting an adult saying something so stupid. Or maybe he's just outright lying and thinking that we won't notice. If he really appreciates humanity's natural impulse to trade and cooperate, then capitalism is the only economic system that exists and facilitates that impulse in an environment of freedom and consent. Capitalist power, by definition, is a power that exists because it is in the service of others. A capitalist's power vanishes the minute his customers vanish. Surprisingly, Brand spotted a flaw in Candace Owens' argument that Ayn Rand called the conservative argument from depravity. Quote, your statement about human beings was very telling. You think people are greedy and cruel. I think human beings are good and beautiful, said Brand. Well, human beings are capable of being all of those things or none of them. But if people are greedy, then the system I want to live under is capitalism. <laughs> Now, words that never came up in their discussion, believe it or not, were freedom, force, consent, morality, and a whole host of philosophical and reality fundamentals. Even so, I have to say, I was surprised to hear Owens advocate that Google, because she sees it as a monopoly, should be broken up. Yikes. We agree on that, says Brand, so long as Google still works after the breakup, because I need it. <laughs> More hypocrisy on display. Just amazing. I just think you don't realize that you're a conservative, said Owens to Brand during the course of the conversation. Wow. No, he's not, Candace. And if you believe that, then conservatism is indeed in deep, deep trouble. Which it appears to be, given our next exhibit, featuring Fox News host Tucker Carlson in conversation with Ben Shapiro on January 4th, Daily Wire. I just think that policymakers never should avert their gaze from the goal, which is a stable society. Stability is underrated. It's underrated because we've always had it. So it's, it's almost like, you know, you don't appreciate a friend until he dies. And you're like, oh man, I wish I'd, you know, told him I loved him or whatever. We've had, with a four-year exception, almost continuous 
social stability, the strata upon which we built our economy and our civil society. All of that was possible because we had a stable society. We had a middle class that was the majority. And now we don't. And so we're not thinking clearly about what's going to happen unless and until we regain that stability. And the core factor driving it is expanding inequality, not just the fact that our ruling class is richer than it's ever been, including me, but that the rest of the country is going in the other direction. Life expectancy for huge parts of the country is in decline. Like that's the most, so, so, so I guess I would just say the problem with the meritocracy is not that the idea of a meritocracy is bad. I'm, I'm completely for it. I'm from Southern California. I mean, talk about a region predicated on meritocracy. Nobody cares where you're from. You know what I mean? It's like, what yep, can you do? That's right. I, that is a core belief of mine. I'm merely saying that if you have an economy that suddenly makes labor valueless, physical labor valueless, and rewards dramatically, I'm not going to say disproportionately, dramatically cognitive ability, what you're really saying is we have a class system based on IQ. It seems to me that your explanation of a lot of the social discontent in the United States is economically based. Yes. And for me, I think that a lot of that social discontent is less economically based than spiritually based. But because I think we are more prosperous. I'm, I'm doubtful, actually. And the reason that I'm doubtful is because we are, as a society, more prosperous than any society in the history of humanity, including the people at the lower end of the spectrum. And that's not to say that there aren't people suffering. But compa by comparison to any other time in human history, it's not close. No, but I'm not making that argument, though. So this is the this is the Heritage Foundation argument. Like, you're worried about the poor. They, you know, they have three-color TVs. I get it. And I believe that for a long time. And I'm, and I'm for whatever. I don't Right, you're right. That's, that's great. And I'm, I'm grateful that no one is starving and has never starved, really, in the last 100 years here, including during the Depression. But that's missing the point. What you want is a society that is cohesive, where everyone feels part of the same thing. You don't want the people who are making the huge majority of important decisions to be completely cut off from everyone else for a bunch of reasons. One, it will engender resentment inevitably, as it has. And the people who feel resentment, since they still have the vote, their labor is worth nothing, okay? That's why labor unions have collapsed. The value of labor has declined over the past 100 years dramatically, but they still have the franchise. They still have political power. And what are they gonna do with that power? They're going to punish you. But isn't the with way populism, to, and that Trump is the beginning of that. But, is it, but isn't the way that at least the founders thought of this that the way to prevent the elites, you know, an elite class from controlling other people's lives is to restrict the inherent power of government to control everybody's life? When you suggested before that that the goal of the society should be stability, everyone wants a stable society. But there are lots of different. I mean, you say this in the book. There are lots of different types of stable societies. Yes. Right? I mean, there are monarchies that are stable societies. There are, there are communist monarchies regimes are the that most are most stable. Right, societies. exactly. There are, dicta right. there are dictatorships that are incredibly. North Korea is a very stable society. That's right. So, is the goal of our society stability primarily, or freedom? And when do the two come in conflict? Because well, they, they often do, and that's a, that's an incisive question. And you're exactly right. And and I would say to narrow the goal down to a single thing, as I did, is probably stupid. Um, stability makes a lot of other things that you want possible. But I would say within the American context, what you want is a country where the average person, again, with an IQ of 100 and, you know, an income of 90 grand a year and three kids can sort of live the life that people lived under those circumstances in 1950. If, if you wake up one morning and you find yourself in a society where 23-year-olds with four-year college degrees and, like, initiative who aren't smoking weed every day, if they can't make enough to buy a car 
much less a home, much less get married, much less have children, then why should you be surprised when half of them say they prefer socialism? You, you talk about technology and how it's shifting and taking away jobs from folks. Yes. And you make specific reference to truck driving and the fact yes. that there are going to be these automated cars on the roads. So would you, Tucker Carlson, be in favor of restrictions on the ability of trucking companies to use this sort of technology specifically to you know, sort of artificially maintain the number of jobs that are available in the trucking industry. Are you joking? In a no, second. I mean, in a second. In other words, if I were president, when I say to DOT, Department of Transportation, we're not letting driverless trucks on the road, period. Why? Really simple. Driving for a living is the single most common job for high school educated men in this country, in all 50 states. The social cost of eliminating their jobs in a 10-year span, five-year span, 30-year span, is so high that it's not sustainable. So the greater good is protecting your citizens from, look, capitalism is the best economic system I can think of, I think that anyone's ever thought of, but that doesn't mean that it's a religion and everything about it is good. No, but, but There's no I'm, Nicene Creed of capitalism that I have to buy into. What I care about is living in a country where you know decent people can live happy lives, actually. It's, it's fascinating to me uh, that you're so willing to restrict technology in this particular area, not because it's not a justifiable policy. Not, not willing. Eager to. Thrilled <laughs> so to do that. what's the limiting principle? Because obviously jobs are lost in industries through creative destruction and have been for the entire time the free market has existed. Right? I mean, wheelwrights lost their jobs when, when the automobile was, was right. created. What's to prevent this principle that you're speaking up from just becoming Ludditism? That technology is destroying jobs. Well, I don't think Luddite technology is insane. I mean, there were massive costs to the Industrial Revolution. Half but, the but you world say you're a fan of capitalism and development. I we am. wouldn't have, we wouldn't have am, all the cool stuff we have, right? I mean, maybe, yeah. Well, look, I'm for capitalism. I'm for machines. Right. You know, they they all but guarantee I'll live way longer than my great grandparents. I, I get it. I'm for machines. Okay. I'm just saying that there was a cost. Half the world was enslaved for 70 years under Bolshevism because. Those countries didn't manage, I would argue, the transition from an agrarian economy into an industrial one. That's what that was, okay? So we're on the cusp of a completely transformative revolution as or more transformative as the industrial revolution, and no one is trying to take control of it at all. I guess my major question is, if we are going to maintain both freedom and stability, you know, the, the John Adams formulation was that this constitution was only built for a moral and virtuous people. It wasn't built for any other. Got it. There are two ways to actually tackle that. One is to say, we are no longer moral and no longer virtuous, so we have to change the freedom. And the other is to say, well, if we want to maintain the freedom, we have to become moral and virtuous again. I'm merely making a couple of very obvious observations. That there are downsides is, to this We stuff. are not <laughs> servants of our economic system. We are not here to service shareholders. We're human beings, and our concerns are real. Now, they must be balanced against the concerns of shareholders and lots of other concerns. But to say that, you know, if it's more efficient to have you move to some crappy suburb to serve some douchey company because that's what, you know, is best to increase value, it's like, it's okay for me to stand up and say, you know, there are other concerns here, actually. And there's a social cost to doing that. There is, a, there is a balance, obviously, between 
increasing prosperity across all of humankind, which has really been the result of free market capitalism over the past 40 years, and redistribution of the benefits, because the benefits obviously fall upon people deeply unequal. I'm not for taking stuff from people. I don't want my stuff to be taken from me. But I regulations do that effectively. I mean, President Trump has been they, very anti-regulatory I because guess of this. in a broad sense, maybe, I guess. I mean, I know that that's a talking point. I'm not exact. I mean, yeah, a lot of regulations are unbelievably stupid. And they benefit, you know, certain categories of rent seeker at the expense of everyone else. Like, I'm very aware. I live among it. I know. And a lot of this is totally corrupt and counterproductive, okay? For sure. On the other hand, you, we have an obligation to think deeply about what's best for normal people. That's all I'm saying. That's, that's it. That's all I'm saying. Normal people? <laughs> wow. You know, common to both Russell Brand and to Tucker Carlson appears to be some form of resentment against people who are above normal, people of ability, and in particular, cognitive ability, as if somehow such people represent a threat to those of us who aren't geniuses. It ain't so. And I got news for them. The more people of ability and wealth that exist within our society, the better it is for all of us, even those of us who are dummies. In fact, especially for that latter group, since they need the guidance and supplied economic purpose of those who are above normal and who can understand things that the average guy can't. That's what creates opportunity for normal people. You know, Ben Shapiro is one of the very few public voices who, from everything I've seen and heard from him so far, completely understands the nature of capitalism and most importantly, recognizes that capitalism is a moral economic system, that morality is what drives it. Now, interestingly, like Russell Brand, Shapiro thinks that society's problems are more spiritually based than economically based, but he speaks clearly in terms of the spirit of freedom, which at least attaches a context and concrete application to his use of the word spirituality. Personally, I think that freedom is the very essence of anything we could call spiritual, whether you believe in spirituality literally or figuratively. But Tucker Carlson is on extremely weak ground and, like Russell Brand, is being quite hypocritical when he says, quote, I'm in favor of meritocracy. But if you have an economy that makes physical labor valueless and dramatically rewards cognitive ability, then you have a class system based on IQ. End quote. And that's totally, absolutely ridiculous. It's almost like a racist argument. I mean, a class system, it's ridiculous. The value of both labor and of cognitive ability, by the way, is determined not by the nature of the work, but by the value of whatever product or service is created by each or either of those sources. If the end product or service is not valued by anyone, then how it was created is irrelevant, and it won't be worth a thing. And many brilliant thinkers are not rich or wealthy by any means. So when Carlson begrudges the fact that physical labor is valued less than cognitive labor, he's both ignoring the will and choices made in a free market by the people who are buying the products, and he's ignoring the law of supply and demand, which applies equally to physical labor as it does to cognitive ability as it does to anything where value is being traded. The simple fact of reality is that physical labor is almost always an oversupply relative to demand, and certainly relative to cognitive ability. 
That's what determines its value. And to complain about that fact of reality amounts to little more than howling at the moon. Stability makes other things possible, says Carlson, who has it exactly backwards. You know, he says, I'd like to see life like it was in the 1950s. Well, you know what? So would I. I lived through the 50s, and it was among the most capitalistic of decades in North America. Then in the 60s, socialism again took root, particularly here in Canada under Pierre Trudeau. You know, there's that old saying that suggests the society that values security more than freedom will end up with neither. The society that values freedom over security will end up with both. And it is true. That's exactly how it works, nor could it be otherwise. If you want to replace the word security with stability, go right ahead. It works exactly the same way. We are not servants of our economic system. We're human beings. We're not shareholders, says Carlson in a statement. That, wow, just an echo of Russell Brand. It's meaningless, meaningless on its face. An economic system does not denote servitude in any way unless it's outright slavery. And people aren't servants to an economic system. They're part of it. It is part of them. All economic systems are about trade and production. The only difference between them is whether that trade and production is created freely or is imposed by force, by some external force. In fact, those are our only two essential choices, economically speaking. We either have slavery or we have capitalism. And Carlson even attested to that fact. The bottom line, and, and, you know, yes, I've used the word capitalism throughout, and I always do, because we're stuck with it. But the bottom line is, in reality, there's no such thing as capitalism, quote-unquote. Capital cannot be turned into an ism, which is precisely why Karl Marx invented that term. What Marx called capitalism is merely the economic condition that arises in an environment of political and social freedom. By inventing the word capitalism, Marx intended to fool everyone into believing that the condition he called capitalism is just another political system like socialism or communism. But that's not so, and it never was. Capitalism is the best economic system that anybody's ever thought of, says Carlson, but that doesn't mean that it's a religion and everything about it is good. There were massive costs to the Industrial Revolution. I'm for capitalism, but there are costs. Well... If Carlson can admit that capitalism is the best economic system, then what is he calling for to replace it? Like Brand, he hasn't got an answer. He doesn't even pretend to have one. I'm just asking the question. Yeah, right. To say that there were massive costs to the Industrial Revolution is meaningless if you don't balance those costs against the massive benefits that were created by the Industrial Revolution. Hello? And he's right when he says that capitalism's not a religion, because it isn't. It's a natural consequence of living in a free society. And the great irony of all of these complaints about so-called capitalism is that every complaint cited by both Brand and Carlson are consequences of some variant of socialism. Ben Shapiro was right on the money when he noted that a free society is, quote, built only for virtuous and moral people. We either abandon virtue and morality and freedom with it, or we preserve freedom by becoming moral and virtuous again. And in saying that, Shapiro got it just right, as we will endeavor to do again one week from today. So be sure to join us again then, when we will continue our journey in the right direction. And until then, be right, stay right, do right, act right, think right, and be right back here. We'll see you then. Fade into color. Color 
into black and white Under the bedclothes Everything will be alright I'm not talking about rich I'm talking about wealth Cause wealth will set us free Okay? Cause wealth is empowering Wealth can uplift communities from poverty, okay? A white man gets wealthy, he builds Walmarts and makes other white people have some mother money. A brother gets rich, he buys some mother jewelry, okay? I ain't talking about rich, I'm talking about wealth. Wealth is passed down from generation to generation. You can't get rid of wealth. Rick James was rich. One minute you're singing Super Freak, the next minute you're doing Old Navy commercials. <laughs> Give it to me, baby. Give me corduroy. <laughs>